but all dads, we just want to celebrate you. And, and today's going to be interesting, and here's why. Um, I know I'm the lead pastor here, but if anyone has been under our le- my leadership, I don't, I don't flex that a lot, right? I never say, right? I never say, I'm the lead pastor, and that's how it's going to go. Never, right, Mike? Mike's been here from the, almost the beginning. I've never, ever done that. It's Father's Day, though, so today it's going to happen. <laughs> All right? And, and this whole entire message, um, I'm just going to preach to my son, Chase. All right? And, and you're going you're gonna to learn. You're going to learn. Uh, but just know that this message um, is specifically for him. So I titled today's message as an open letter to Chase. And he's 18 years old, and he just graduated on Friday from high school. And he's 18. Today's the 18th. It's Father's Day. So you ready for this one? I got an 18-point sermon (laughs) just for Chase. So you could sit back and make fun of him. You could take notes. Uh, but we're going to believe that God's going to do something amazing in my son's life, and I believe also in yours. Amen? So you got to help me preach it. Don't be quiet on me now. All right? Let's yell at him together because it takes a village to raise a child, right? So if you can remain standing for the reading of the word, Proverbs chapter 2, starting at verse 1, says this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. See, that's the difference. This world is saturated with information, but it doesn't matter if you're not inclining your ear to wisdom and apply to your heart and understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, if you cry out for wisdom and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find, this is the important part, and find the knowledge of God. Not the knowledge of man, not the knowledge of this bald dude. We all desire the knowledge of God. And that only comes that if we search for it like a hidden treasure, if we seek it as though it's precious, it's silver, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you, Lord, to uh, move like only you can. Your word is true and your word is vital. So we lean on it today and we ask you, Lord, to just teach us all something, especially this knucklehead in the front row. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. You may be seated. You know you can laugh in prayer. Some of y'all got real tight on that. You need to relax. Everybody give it up for Stephen for making me sound holy while I read scripture. I need all the help I can get. Why is 18 like the number that you declare yourself an adult, you know? I don't understand that exactly. I, I actually did some research on it, and it says that the reason they declared an adult because biologically... You, you have hit your peak. Come on, we're some old people that wish you were back to being 18, right? Biologically, you've, you're done growing. But mentally, mentally, you still got some growing to do. You still got some growing to do. And so I got these 18 points. And trust me, somebody, when I told the worship team I got 18 points, they're like, you're going to finish it today? 
Like, I thought we were having hot dogs after service and that kind of stuff. And I'm going to finish it today. Uh, so for Chase, um, you ready to write these down? Where's your phone? You better be charged up. Here's my first tip for you, son. When you are born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your decisions. When you are born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your decisions. Our Bible says in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your work to the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord and your plans will be established. At the end of the day, all of us, We make decisions. One of the first things that God gave us was the ability to make decisions. And sometimes we make good decisions, and sometimes we make bad decisions. And I don't want to say this to scare you, but you are. You are the decisions that you make. You start off looking like your mommy and daddy, but at the end of your life, you will end up as your decisions. And now, I want to be cautious because I don't want to teach a message that's not grace-filled. This is great, Phil, because sometimes you, you make bad decisions, but here's the cool part. You recover from your bad decisions by making better decisions. That's how you recover from bad decisions, by let your next decision be a good decision. And sometimes that's the decision to repent. Sometimes that's the decision to apologize. Sometimes that's the decision just to come back just to, to point A and get your stuff together. Some of you were afraid to hit reset when you make a bad decision. But sometimes that could be the best decision you can make. So in the beginning, you might look like your parents, but when you die, you look like your decisions. Is that a good one? Number two, the capacity for pleasure is enhanced by the depth of one's understanding of pain. Can I say that again? The capacity for pleasure is enhanced by the depth of one's understanding of pain. Proverbs 21, 17 says this, whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. Now, if you know anything about Chase, he does not want to be a poor man. (laughs) Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. My biggest advice for you is this. Don't be afraid of pain. Don't be afraid to push through the pain. Many people... And you've experienced this. People try to avoid pain at all costs just for the sake of only receiving pleasure. But we understand through Scripture, we understand through our walk with faith. There's a bunch of people in this room that can testify to this, that that the reason that we could actually enjoy the pleasures in life is because we understand the depths of pain. We understand the need and the desperation that we have for God. That's why many people, as you continue to chase your pleasures, it's never going to fulfill you. It's never going to satisfy you. Your soul will always be empty because it's in the pain where most of us find God. Y'all ain't helping me preach this today. Y'all need to get some coffee in your system. Because the capacity for pleasure is enhanced by the depth of one's understanding for pain. So we, we work now. See, we got it twisted. I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to sound like an old fart for a second. Can I do that? Sometimes this generation, everyone's always cautious. And me and my wife run into this. Like, Are you resting? Are you resting? Are you resting? Are you resting? And we've almost, because in the 80s and 90s, yes, we overworked. In the church, some people have gotten burned out from doing too much. I get that. I understand that. But let's not overcorrect, because now it's like we rest six days and only work one. 
and we've made rest an idol. Listen to me. The Bible tells us that God put Adam and Eve in the garden, paradise. He put them in paradise. And this is what the word says, to work and take care of it. The model he gave us is that we work six days a week. We lounge one day a week. Hello? So, so God worked, then he rested. Okay? He worked first, then he rested. Some of us, we just want to rest and eventually get to work. If you're struggling with being late, maybe it's because you, you're, putting, you're putting rest above work, above your responsibilities. But we got to understand that I know that working, sometimes that hustle requires us to go through some pain. But if you really want to understand the pleasures in life, you will understand the depths of pain. You getting this? Number three, if life gives you melons, you're probably dyslexic, but don't worry about it. You're still amazing. That's a stupid dad joke on Father's Day. Efren appreciates it. Side note, though, this ain't a part of a message, but I do hate going back. This kind of, like, attaches itself to the previous advice here that people are like, well, life gives you lemons, just make lemonade. Um, but anybody ever made lemonade, it takes more than just lemons. You need sugar. You need to squeeze those lemons. Right? You need water. You need ice. You need to stir it up. Right? Because no one wants the sugar at the bottom. Right? Because that last cup of lemonade will give you diabetes. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? So it still takes some work. And so many of us were just like hoping that the worst times will turn better. But honestly, sometimes it requires some work and effort, some sugar, some ice. Right? To, make, to turn this around, and, and God's into the redemption process of your life. Trust me, don't worry about it. He's there with you. He's for you, but still requires some work. Come on. Number four, the truth may hurt for a little while, but a lie hurts forever. The truth may hurt for a little while, but a lie hurts forever. Chase, I want you to trust the truth. There are some times where I know that in my life, if I'm honest, like when I meet new people, I'm tempted to withhold the truth and I'm tempted to have like these little white lies because I want to be impressive. I want to make sure that I'm liked. But it's taken me really long in my life to realize that the truth is actually pretty impressive all by itself. And anytime I've lied in the past, it always, it, may, it might have taken a while, but it always comes back and bites you in the rear. So I've learned to, to go through it. Yes, the truth might hurt for a moment, but a lie, a lie is way more desperate. A lie will hurt forever. I've found that a single lie has the power to tarnish a thousand truths. Just a single lie has the power to tarnish a thousand truths. And, and so a lie can take care of your present, but it has no future. So to kind of trust in the potency of the truth. Because the truth might hurt for a little while, but a lie hurts forever. Forever. Number five. These two kind of go together. Um, and I learned this a lot when it comes to marriage counseling. You're as sick as your secrets. People with relationships here, just to let you know, your relationship is as weak as the secrets you keep. Bars. Your relationship is as weak as the secrets you keep. 
And so listen, you have the right. You have the right for privacy. I've said this before, right? I, I have the right for privacy. Everyone has privacy, so I'm not saying that. But you do not have the right for secrecy in the kingdom of God. We're supposed to live confessed, exposed lives. Why? It's not because everybody needs to know your business. It's because it's unhealthy to hold a secret. Some of you, you're struggling with insecurities. You're not able to reach the epitome of your confidence. It's because you're, you're running around. You're avoiding a secret being exposed. And I found that the most confident person I am, it was I'm completely confessed. Listen, I promised myself that the same person I am on this platform is the same person I am in the living room. And thank God my kids know this. Like, I'm the same person here as I am home. I'm not one of those fake the funk pastor dads that, oh, hallelujah, praise God. And, and I'm walking around with a halo. And then at home, I'm cussing my kids out. That doesn't happen. It's consistency that matters because I avoid secrets. And I want my son to avoid secrets because you're as sick as the secrets you keep. Luke 8, 17 says this, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to the light. Come on. Everything will come to the light. Number six, never underestimate the power of a handwritten thank you note. I hate doing them, but they matter so much more than a text message. They matter so much more than just sometimes even just saying it in passing. To take the time and write out a thank you note means so much to so many people. So never underestimate, never underestimate the power of a handwritten thank you note. Number seven, this is a big one, Chase. You listening? Don't make permanent decisions based on a temporary emotion. Can y'all back me up on that one? Don't make a permanent decision based on temporary emotions. I'm not going to front. I have, they have seen me do some things. And sometimes there was once where I got so angry and men don't, don't play me out on this one. Most of us have done this. I got so angry that I punched a hole in the wall. Come on, tell the truth. Shame the devil. Where you at? Right. And I look at that and I regret because I suck at spackling. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Instantly regret it. But I made a permanent decision, permanent decision with a temporary emotion. James 1, 19 to 20 says this, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Proverbs 16, 32 says this, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty And he who rules his spirit, then he who can take an entire city. The force, the power of someone who can control their emotions is stronger and mightier than someone who can take over a city. Don't make, don't make a permanent decision based on temporary emotions. Number eight, this was a good one. Never trust a skinny chef, even if they're offering you free food. Come on. You writing this down? This is gold. (laughs) Number nine. (laughs) This one's specifically for you, Chase. Remember, the snooze button is both your enemy, is both your friend and your enemy. Proceed with caution. Anybody have teens in the house where you literally have to like, like. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you literally have to, like, elbow drop them just to wake them up, right? 
the snooze button. Sleep logic is going to be your worst enemy. Anybody struggle with sleep logic? Anybody came like 10 minutes ago? You struggle with sleep logic, right? That snooze button is going to be your best friend and your worst enemy. Number 10. Remember, wrong doesn't make you weak. We actually talked about this recently. Wrong doesn't make you weak. Being uncorrectable does. Wrong doesn't make you weak. Being uncorrectable does. This one's hard because my son is like myself and we're, we're achievers. We like to achieve things. And whenever there's correction, whenever there's reproof, whenever there's anything that is correcting us in any way, we're tempted to reject it. And we confuse correction with rejection. But I've learned that what I have to do is I have to identify the certain amount of people that I, I have to. I have to, out of humility, to override my pride, I have to give people the license to correct me. Even though I want to achieve, even though I want to do everything well, if it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rob myself of being the best version of myself if I reject correction every single time. But that's the problem. Our human desire is that we want to achieve, but, but correction makes us feel weak. But I have found that it's not that correction that makes you feel weak. It's the actual part of us that is incorrectable when we reject correction. So don't be afraid to receive correction because we need it. The Bible says in Proverbs 12.1, it says this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Whoever loves this, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's my favorite Bible verse. Because <laughs> you can put some stank on the end of it, right? If you reject correction, you is stupid. <laughs> and it's very biblical, Mike. You writing this down? Very biblical, Proverbs 12.1. Proverbs 13.18 says this, and this one's for you, Chase. Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is honored. Poverty is just around the corner if you're a kind of person that rejects correction at all costs. Y'all getting any of this today? Number 11, this is a good one. Cologne is for a showered self, but never shower yourself with cologne. I'm preaching. That's important. Am I right or wrong, ladies? Ladies, I need your help. You want to know why? Because you can never cover funk. You got to clean it. You got to clean it. Really important, fellas, all right? So, like, especially Axe body spray, don't stop it. Stop it, right? If, you, if you're going to cover it up, cover it up with something nice. But no cheap Axe body spray. What is wrong with you? Cologne is for a showered self, but never shower yourself with cologne. Number 12. This is important. And in fact, I wish someone told me this in the very beginning of ministry. I've been in ministry for now 22 years. Everything is figureoutable. I know that's not a word, but it preaches really well. Everything is figureoutable. You can figure it out. I promise you. You, we serve God the creator. He created all this. And if he's our source, you will never lack creativity. So when there's an obstacle in front of you, when there's a mountain in front of you, 
Why? We have the one who spoke the mountain into existence. Everything is figure outable. Now, nah, there's some things, Pastor Mike. No, we serve God the creator. If you were just serving yourself, if it was just out of your own power, yes, there'd be some things that you could never figure out that's in front of you. But I'm here to tell you today, in faith, everything is figure outable. When you face a problem, Chase, you break it down into small manageable parts and you surrender it to Jesus. No matter how big the problem is. Because this is the promise in scripture. James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. This is what scripture says. If anyone lacks wisdom, you can't figure it out. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Psalm 25.9 says this, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches and humbles his way. He will lead you through it all. Through it all. Some of you need to get into that. We sing that song, through it all, through it all, my, my life is in your hands. Through it all. You have to mean it. You have to sing it with all your heart and with all your faith that regardless of what's in front of you, I don't know who's here today. Maybe you're going through something in your marriage. Maybe you're going through something in your workplace. Maybe you're going through something with your kids. Everything is figure outable if you place it in God's hands. Everything is figure outable. Number 13. Before we go there, this is for all of us that and this is also for old people. Some of you, like, you, you're in this transition in life where you're trying to find the real you, right? Comes in waves. I know that high school students, it's not high school students in the room, you're trying to, like, who is the real me? And we all have the temptation to look backwards, right? Maybe you're going through a quarter-life crisis. Who are the 25-year-olds in the room around that? Trying to figure yourself out. Who's the real you? Maybe you're in the transition as a parent, like my wife and I. We're like, who are we now? Because we were parents, and we're still parents, but now it's different. Who are we? Maybe you're empty nesters. Who are you? But the temptation is that when you're searching for the real you, you always look backwards. But here's what I found out. Tip number 13. Maybe the real you is not in the past. The real you is in God's hands in the future. Because we always go backwards, right? I figure myself out. Like, remember, I like the skinny mic. Anybody remember skinny mic? <laughs> that was the real mic, wasn't it? You know? I should pull off skinny jeans. Now, like, I got to get slightly baggy and roll them up because I'm short. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, <laughs> Mr. Skinny Mike or, or the younger Mike, you know, with less, with less wrinkles and less gray hair in his beard. You know, we always tend to look backwards. But maybe that's not even the real you. Think about it. If God's making you and molding you, and we serve a God that's standing outside of time and space. The Bible says he was the God who was and is to come. That he's the alpha and omega. Because he's outside of time and space, he stands in your beginning, but he also stands at your end. And we're searching for your identity. You're searching for who you are. It's not behind you. Maybe the real you, you have yet to experience. And it's in God's hands. So don't look backwards for it. Reach forward for it. Is that making any sense today? The real you is in God's hands and he's standing in your future. Number 14. This one's for you, Chase. Lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. 
In this social media age, I want you to get that tattooed on your forehead. <laughs> because you will have critics. Anybody here have critics? I was in a podcast uh, last year. They were interviewing me. And they didn't like my definition of criticism because I was talking about the difference between critics and coaches. And they were like, no, you can learn from everyone. Of course you can learn from everyone, absolutely. But I, I'd rather receive critiques from a coach than critiques from a critic. The Bible calls them scoffers, if you want a better word. Because critics, coaches want you to reach new heights. Critics, they don't want you to change. Critics want you to quit. And in this world where everyone has a keyboard, everyone has a device to vocalize their criticisms, you have to understand that you have to zone into who are the coaches in my life and who are the critics in my life. Because the critics don't want you to change. The critics want you to quit. And you're a lion. And lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And I'm not saying that to, to downgrade anyone or to dismiss anyone. There are just some times where the crowd is the crowd. And you cannot be defined by the crowd. As a believer, we have to pay attention to the way people think of us. Yes. The Bible, especially as a pastor myself, the Bible says that I need to be above reproach. So some of us who we get all prideful, I don't care about what people think. I don't care about what people think. No, we do need to care about what people think. We just can't let it define you. Because the crowd, the same crowd that crucified Jesus, also sung Hosanna in the beginning of the week. And thank God our Savior wasn't defined by the crowd. Because lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And if you constantly feel like you're surrounded by the criticism... I just want to empower you and Chase. You have a choice. If you don't like what these clowns are saying, stop going to the circus. <laughs> Write that down. If you don't like what these clowns are saying, stop going to the circus. Some of you are so afraid you have FOMO. You have the fear of missing out. Delete that app. Who cares? Who cares? If it's bothering you that much, if it's a distraction between you and the purposes of God in your life, delete it. Who cares? Because lines don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. Number 15. Some of y'all thought I wasn't going to get through this. Say something. <laughs> Number 15. Never underestimate the power of a well-timed compliment. It's taken me too long to, know, to learn this one because, like, I just didn't grow up in that culture. You know what we did with our friends, our boys? We, would, we didn't have phones. We didn't have iPads. Some of us barely had cable. So we were just chilling on the staircases, clowning each other, just straight roasting each other. That's why I'm really good at roasting and not good at encouraging. <laughs> All right? There's nothing you could tell me that my boys haven't told me and made fun of me about. All right? And I love it because I have thick skin, but there's a part of me that didn't develop a tender heart where I, like, I just need to learn to encourage people. And especially developing the skill of a well-timed compliment. You can never underestimate the power of that. 
especially when people are, are devoid of hope and devoid of affirmation. That well-timed compliment can mean the world for people. Proverbs 11, I'm sorry, Proverbs 20, uh, 12, 25 says this, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. That's the power of a well-timed compliment. Number 16, there are two types of people in the world, those who love bacon and those who need Jesus. <laughs> sorry if you're a vegan or vegetarian. We accept you, we just don't like you. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Send me no emails. Number 17. Hey, big dreams make small people uncomfortable. Big dreams make small people uncomfortable. You don't know how many times God-given dreams, those are the biggest dreams. I'm not talking about, I believe that our human dreams are more fantasies than dreams. I'm talking about God-given dreams. They're big. Why? Because he's a big God that wants to do big things through his people. And when I start telling people about God's big dream for, for us as a family, when I start telling people God's big dream for us as a church community and a church family, sometimes it makes people feel uncomfortable. And I don't get mad at them. I've just had to reconcile within myself that big dreams make small people uncomfortable. And it so I, I substitute frustration with compassion. You substitute frustration with compassion and you, you, you leverage your patience towards them, but that doesn't mean you stop dreaming. There will be people that will try to talk you out of your dreams. I know there are people right now that are trying to talk you out, you know, oh, you're going to go to New York, you're going to forget about us, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Big dreams make small people uncomfortable. And that's okay, don't get mad at them, but just stay true to what God has deposited in your hearts. Last one, number 18. Rosados never quit. I hope some of you don't know the story of Fervent Church, but we've gone through some stuff. Three church mergers, multiple transitions. With every church merger, we've, we've inherited debt, so we had to climb out of some financial struggles, and, and we've gone through it. Been abandoned by some key people. But my prayer is that my kids, even though I had to drag their behinds to church earlier than everybody else, that they had front row seats to our tenacity, front row seats to the grit. When people describe Fervent Church, that's one of the first words they say. Do you know that? There's a grit here. We don't have it all together. We never plan on having it all together. We will always be under construction. But the one thing we will not do is that we will not quit. This has been a family motto of ours. Rosados don't quit. When life knocks you down, we get back up with twice the determination. Because Rosados don't quit. And I know I was, this whole entire time I'm preaching to my son, but now I, I'm going to take a second just to preach to you, and I just want to preach some scripture over all of your lives. In fact, can we stand up?
Maybe there's some people in the room that right now you're thinking of, you're thinking of quitting on your faith or you have quit on your faith. You're thinking of quitting on your marriage. And it's just a thought right now. You haven't activated anything, but you're thinking about it because you're tired. You're thinking about quitting loving that person that just so difficult to love. And you're on the fence. Maybe you're thinking about quitting your attendance here at Fervent Church. Maybe you're thinking about, I don't know, maybe you're right behind me and you're thinking about quitting the worship team. Maybe, maybe you're thinking about quitting life. Fervent doesn't quit. Disciples of Jesus don't quit. I just want to speak scripture over you. Galatians 6, 9 says this, and let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The Bible is telling you don't give up. Hold on tight, because in due season you will reap a harvest. Hebrews 10, 36 says this, for if you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Promise comes when you don't quit. First Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, that in the Lord your labor will not be in vain. It's not in vain. Keep going. It's not in vain. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. By they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on eagles' wings. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Keep on waiting for the Lord to provide whatever he's going to provide. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I have found that the most patient people in this room are actually the strongest in their faith. Not passive, but patient. Philippians 3.14 says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of, of God in Christ Jesus. We need to continue to press forward. It would just say, hey, just, just, just cruise on in. No, we don't cruise, we press. We press on forward. James 1.12 says this, blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Some of you feel like you're getting old. I feel you. <laughs> your outer self might be withering away, but your inner self can be renewed day by day if you do not quit. Last one, Romans 5, 3 to 4 says this, Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, that endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. Don't give up. It's going to be worth it. Keep on pressing. Keep on believing. And when, you running, when you're running out of faith, Lean on the people around you to hold you up, but don't give up. Amen? I just want to take this moment right now to, I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for two different things. There are some people in this room that you've had, you've had thoughts of suicide. 
And again, maybe you haven't activated it, but I know for a fact there's been people in this room that have had those thoughts. Just want to pray the word over your life. Do not grow weary in doing good. Press on. Keep going. I want to pray for you, and then I want to pray for some other people that you're thinking about just giving up on something, whether it be your marriage or your dreams. My prayer is that on this Father's Day, June 18th, 2023, that God lights that flame in your heart to keep on going, even though you feel like you're empty. That's my prayer today. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father.